I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. In this third season, I've taken the theme from season one, which was called The Holistic Healing Connection, and merged it with a theme from season two of The Dragonfly Connection. So now, join me every Wednesday for open, honest, inspiring, and healing conversations with people who face their own health and life challenges, worked through them, and now are on a mission to help you live a healthier, more fulfilling life. My hope is that at each episode leaves you more empowered and inspired, no matter where you are on your life and healing journey. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find a holistic wellness professional and resources to help you on your healing journey. That's HealingWaze.com. What are silent genes versus activated genes? And what do genes and a cookbook have in common? And of course, we're not talking about the kind of jeans you wear. We are talking about the stuff that we are made of. In today's episode, you're going to learn the answer to both of those questions and also why Lynn, my guest today, believes that our genes are not our destiny. And it's not just a belief. Lynn Del Mastro Thompson is a mind-body medicine practitioner using the healing systems of body talk and body intuitive, and now even hypnosis. She has spent a lot of time studying epigenetics, which you'll learn more about in a few minutes. And she is also the author of the Amazon bestseller, You Are Not Your Diagnosis. There's a link to purchase it in the show notes. And this is actually Lynn's third time being a guest on my podcast, and she's an all-time listener favorite. So I'm sure you're going to love this episode, and you'll come away with some great tips to help you not only survive, but also thrive in these crazy times and beyond. Lynn has all kinds of free resources on her website and social media. Make sure to check them out after you're done listening. And of course, the links are in the show notes. I love all my podcast guests, but it's especially fun when I get to chat with a friend because, you know, we know each other. And this is your third go around. Yes, yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) On the podcast anyway. Today, we're going to we're going to talk about some new things. And we're going to talk a little bit about your story. But We're not going to dive too deep into that, but before we do that, before we dive into your story and your wisdom around epigenetics, I know that you are in the process of selling your house and moving out of state. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I normally ask my guests to share something about themselves that people don't know, but we're just going to talk more about how you're feeling. How is it to be moving in the middle of worldly chaos? (laughs) It's very interesting. (laughs) I think I keep remembering something you actually wisely said to me, just keep saying it's an adventure. It's an adventure. So whenever things get a little crazy, I'm like, we're on an adventure. This is an adventure. Oh, okay. I love it. (laughs) Though my words actually stick sometimes. (laughs) Yes, they do. It's especially when we're having a freak out or I'm thinking about the logistics or it's like, we, you know, we don't know exactly, you know, what we're house house we're going to buy now that we're selling our house. like leaping my brain gets into the leaping without a safety net and that's a little freaky because I'm not a person that's like you know a big risk taker in in the world Ah, Um, okay you totally put on a face like you are like the things that you've done and I've seen you do since I've known you and the stories I've heard that you've shared I would have not known that about you you do a lot of courageous things. Yeah. I, I push myself to do them, but you know, like I like, I'm a person that in 
big life changes like this. It's like, I like to have a plan, but you know, the way the process works with, you know, being able to buy and sell, it's like, you just have to be like, okay, we're going to sell this house. And we know it's going to sell very quickly because we know what the market is doing here. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, just trusting that like the perfect house is going to come along in the next month or so that we're going to put an offer on and get that house. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you guys did a practice uh, celebratory dinner last night. Yes. <laughs> so another one of my girlfriends was like, you know, asked us what number we were hoping to get for our house so she could help visualize it and visualize like mm-hmm. celebrating, which was super sweet. You know, all of the kind of tools of manifestation. And so to go along with that, cause she's like, I want to visualize us celebrating that together. And I was like, we were so tired last night because we finally got the photos done for, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we've been working really hard, especially this last week of, you know, it's crazy. I've never done this process before, but it's, it's a bit nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I am not cooking. The kitchen is like totally spotless right now. Cause somebody cleaned it, you know, and I'm like, I don't want to make a mess in there <laughs> and I'm tired. And, you know, so I was like, let's go out to dinner tonight. And, and Michael's like, yeah, let's go to the place where we want to go after we get our offer. So that is so we, such a great idea. We practice celebrated. And I was like, I don't know that we should have dessert. And he's like, we're practice celebrating. You <laughs> will have dessert in the celebration. So, oh, Michael's my kind of guy. <laughs> any, well, I was trying to be good, you know, cause it's like, it's been kind of like falling a little bit off of the habit wagon of, uh-huh. you know, how you eat when you're like stressed and overwhelmed and, and doing other things that aren't, you know, cooking nice, nutritious meals. And yeah. 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 When you're selling a house, cooking goes out the way, at least it did for me. Yeah. Cooking. It's mostly gone out the window. <laughs> like we had all of these plans that we were going to like batch cook stuff last week so mm-hmm. that we would have stuff we could just heat up this week. And it was like, we weren't even in the mood to like most days, you know, we were just like, what's the easiest thing we can do. <laughs> yeah. If we're yeah. cooking something. It was like, what's the easiest thing that we can have. So yeah. Yeah. I'm sure many can relate to when you're overwhelmed, you just kind yeah. of are like the last thing you want to do. And I'd been on my feet so much more. Like that's, that's been the past week. My feet are like, Oh my God, you've been standing and standing and standing and walking around the house. And you know, I'm mm-hmm. sitting a lot more for what I do for work. <laughs> yes. Yes. But like so many of my texts keep reminding you just keep, you know, keep your eyes on that prize. Um, I, I do believe everything's really going to work out for you guys. I mean, it does for everybody, but if, if anyone can manifest selling this house within like a week, which I think will definitely happen and, (laughs) and buying a house sight unseen, except for online, well, our, we'll do a video tour and then okay. we'll fly, we're going to fly down once, once it's in the inspections so that we will have seen it before. Cause you can fall out of uh, the contract. That's true. So, yeah. and it seems like, especially, I don't know if it's just an Arizona thing or not, but it seems like you don't really have to have a, much of a reason to be like, nope, we changed our mind. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I so, think with the inspection, yeah, I don't, I think most places you can just like, change your mind based on what they found. Right. Uh, or, you know, even if it's nothing big, even if you're just like, nope, I don't want 
there's always going to be something that the inspector finds right as your excuse right (laughs) (laughs) so I mean hopefully we won't you know like we won't have to do that but it would be nice to fly down there and actually you know walk through the place and of course, because I'm an energy person, like getting Feel the, the energy. I know my husband was like, at first he's like, well, I could just go, you know, so that it's not two of us. And I'm like, but I need to feel the energy of the place. Me too. <laughs> you know, that's been several times over the last few years when I've thought about moving, I'm like, could we just get a place before we actually see it? And the first thing I always jump to next in my mind is I have to feel the energy of the place. Right. Like I can't, I can't just buy a house that, you know, like houses can have really Mm -hmm. funky energy. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I've also dealt with several clients who, you know, there's been like weird things that have Mm -hmm. happened in their houses, you know, or, or they're picking up weird things. So of course we're going to, no matter what we buy, we're going to do clearing of it and and creating a nice neutral energy space, but nice. Well, and you got to feel the energy of the neighborhood. I mean, you know, the energy of the town, but you know, also the neighborhood has an energy that you're going to have to tap into. So I'm excited that you'll get to go down before you, but man, I was thinking that's really brave. Like, yeah, you may be risk averse, but you do a lot of courageous, brave things. And I'm going to, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. We're going to, so like I mentioned before, this is your third time chatting with me recorded (laughs) on the podcast and your episodes. I don't know if I've told you this before, some of the most downloaded of all time since 2019 (laughs) when I started. Um, But for those people that are new to this podcast and maybe missed the two episodes you were on in season one and season two, I want to catch them up a little bit. So what do you do to help people on their healing journey and what inspired you to start a career helping others? Yeah. So I am both an energy healer and now a hypnotherapist. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my, my new ad last year, getting certified in that. Mm -hmm. And I work primarily with women to dive deep into what's going on with them with chronic health issues um, and stuff that's not so chronic too. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of hormone work, autoimmune diseases, all sorts of challenges that come across people's lives. Mm -hmm. And what inspired me was when I was 25, I was diagnosed initially with leukemia and came to find out three years later that that was a misdiagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. And all of that, that whole story is in your book and go ahead and plug your book real quick. (laughs) (laughs) So check out my book. You are not your diagnosis, which is on Amazon. Or if you're in the U S I do have copies, although I'll have to dig them out of the packed boxes. <laughs> I may have to put a, pa- a pause on being able to direct order from right. me for a little bit. Yeah. And then someday in Arizona, you might be able to go to a store and uh, just pick one up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. And I, maybe I'll get them in a place in Sedona or something like that. That, that would, be, would super be cool. cool. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's a great book. Um, you know, I read it when it first came out easy read. You did a great job. And it's also really inspiring because you went through such a really hard time physically and emotionally for many years because of that diagnosis, because of the symptoms you were having and the diagnosis. Right. Um, And I think again, yeah, kudos to you for taking what you learned, taking the challenges that you went through and now using 
that to help other people because misdiagnosis is what is the, I know we talked about stats on that before. Do you know what it is now? Like how many, like what? I can't remember, but it's definitely, it's a significant percentage. You know, we don't like to think about that. We all like to think that we go and we get care and we're not going to have that happen. But yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head what, but it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. You can probably just do a quick search of that on the internet. If Mm -hmm. you aren't familiar with the number and you might be a little surprised with how many people have been misdiagnosed, maybe not as dramatically as with my situation with leukemia, but a lot of times, and I work with a lot of people who've, you know, struggled to find the right answer to what's happening health-wise for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can be a really big struggle for a lot of people, even if you're not misdiagnosed. The conventional or Western medical system is just so broken. And, you know, I'm not knocking doctors in general. I would, you know, there's no blanket statement for any profession, exactly. but, but it is happening a lot. It seems like our doctors are maybe, for, I don't know all the reasons why, but, you know, stress and pressure from insurance companies and who knows what, but it's like so many things just get swept under the rug or, or missed even not even my misdiagnosed, but just missed swept right. under the rug. You know how you, t- you spend right. 15 minutes with the person, like, how are they how supposed are they to figure supposed that to out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you just get yeah. put on more meds and more meds. And unfortunately, yeah, that's a big flaw of the, the system is it's very driven by, you know, just using prescriptions rather than like, Hey, like, how can we get you really healthy? You know, it's like, here, we'll give you a medication to manage things. And I'm not anti-medication. I have several medications because of some of the things in my own health history that -hmm. are necessary for me. But I'm always like, if I can choose something else first and it's another option, I, that's the route I choose to go. Yeah, me too. So, you know, another thing that doctors do is they ask about your genetic history, you know, when you fill out that form and all the things, right? Like mom, what is your mom? dad, grandma, yeah. grandpa, aunts, <laughs> uncles. Right. Right. And then it seems as if they put a lot of weight on that information that you fill out. They're like, oh, okay. So in my case, personally, a heart disease. All right. Well, we're just going to treat you like you are going to get heart disease or, yeah, you know, start you on diabetes. Right. In case. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so scary. Um, so when I asked you, so we're gonna talk about that because when I asked you what you wanted to focus on, to, um, you said, you said some of the, you said a lot of things, but the piece <laughs> I'm pulling out right now is our genes aren't our destiny. And yes. that might be the title of this, uh, podcast episode. I'm not sure yet, but <laughs> that sentence alone and I've heard you say this before. I've seen you pr- printed on, you know, different materials on social media. That sentence gives me a lot of hope. Anyone listening right now should give them a lot of hope. So how much of our health problems are actually caused by our genes? Cause we're led to believe that we have no control, right? right? Like it's a death sentence. Oh no, yeah. you had, you know, uh, your mother had cancer. Oh, you're, you know, here mm-hmm. you go. Sign yourself up for, you're going to get cancer too. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of research in the past, I would say maybe 20 years or so has come to show that it, depending on who you're looking at and following, it's between only maybe one to 5% of all illness is really genetically driven. It's a very small number. Some people even say, you know, it's even tinier than that. 
So that's a huge difference, right? Between going in and telling them, you know, oh, my mother had breast cancer, my grandma had breast cancer. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, we better test you for the BRCA gene. And what that also really means is you could test for, you know, positive, they could test you for the BRCA gene for breast cancer in women, but it doesn't mean that that gene has to get activated. That's where some of this, this understanding comes in. You could have that gene, but it could always stay silent. And that's where I find the power and the hope in all of this new understanding, because it's like, well, how can we help you keep that gene staying off? So you never develop breast cancer instead of viewing that, oh no, I have that gene. It means automatically bing, bang, boom. It's a done deal. I'm going to get breast cancer. Mm. So do you think it's helpful then for people to at least know if they have genetic markers for certain things, or do you think that that can actually be detrimental? I think, you know, it partly might depend on the person. And Mm -hmm. this is just kind of my personal interpretation. Like if you can hold that space of like, okay, I want to know what potential is out there so I can really like do my best to mitigate it. Mm -hmm. And you cannot hook into it, like and freak out of, oh my goodness, it came back with, you know, these particular genetic markers, then, you know, it might be useful. But some people, I think, you know, automatically just jump into, oh my goodness, I see that information and I'm in total fear and panic. And that's not going to help you not activate that. You know, it's not going to automatically activate it, but it's going to contribute if you're in a state of fear and, you know, your beliefs are automatically going there of like, well, maybe I should just, you know, have a mastectomy because I just want to be safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I can understand that fear, but again, it's because fear has, has gripped them and that's not, I'm not knocking anybody for that. I mean, we've all been (laughs) by fear for different things. (laughs) No, I mean, when my mom got pancreatic cancer, I immediately wanted to do all the genetic testing and make sure, you know, my sister and I weren't going to get it. And I, and I, and I never did, you know, I'm more like you Lynn, like I just went, well, there's a chance probably, you know, I mean, it was my mom and cancer seems to be something that people are prone to on that side of the family. So let's just make sure that I'm doing the things to not get cancer. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, maybe I don't need to see that on on a testing document to just be like, yeah, there's some family history that, you know, I want to pay attention to and do all the lifestyle things that I can do to, you know, lower my risk as much as possible. So what, yeah. So let's talk about that because yeah, anyone listening now, I hope they're hooked already (laughs) and because, and hooked because what you're saying again is very hopeful. And we may, if you haven't already, everyone listening at some point will probably get that kind of notice from their doctor. Like, you know, your genes show this or that, or you need to be tested for this or that because of, right genetic stuff from your parents. So what are some, some things that people can do to, regardless of if they've been told what their genes are doing or or could do or not (laughs) to not activate, is that what you said? Yeah. To not activate that potential that's Mm -hmm. there, you know, not, not activate it. 
Uh, well, there's lots of different areas that we have control over our health and I'll kind of just float through a few mm-hmm. of the areas. So the first one that's popping into my mind is to focus on your toxin burden. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are a lot of toxins in the world that we're unfortunately exposed to, and some of them we can control and some of them, you know, like what's in the air are harder for us as individuals to to mitigate. So I always like to say, think about the things you can control. Think about the food that you're eating. You know, are you eating a bunch of processed foods that has a bunch of toxic chemicals and how can you start to lower that? Think about, you know, are you eating more organic fruits and vegetables? Because that's definitely going to lower a lot of your toxin burden. All things can still have, you know, some level of pesticides, even if you're buying organic, Mm -hmm. but Cause it's yeah. kind of floating in the air, been in our soil for a long time. Exactly. Like so, you know, yeah. unfortunately, again, there's certain things we can't completely um, do anything about, but we can, we can think about it, you know, and, and I love to also suggest, you know, if you're on a budget in terms of buying organic, look at the environmental working group website and they have their list of what is it? The clean 15 and the dirty dozen. Yes. My favorite. I love those lists. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, if you're on a budget, it's like the most important things that you could buy organic and it lists, you know, that clean 15, um, and the dirty dozen and the dirty dozen, (laughs) the ones, the most important ones to avoid. Yeah. And that's a great way to, you know, start, especially if you're like, I can't, you know, I'm looking at the difference in prices and I can't afford, afford everything organic. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, can I just avoid like, you know, conventional strawberries because those are one of the most pesticide laden ones out there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that list because, you know, I, as you know, and some of my listeners know that I was a single parent for 13 years and, you know, somewhere probably when my son was around six or so, I got re- I got more knowledgeable about organic and not organic, non-organic, but it, I would say I can't afford it. I can't afford to buy the non-organic and those lists so helpful. Yes. And, and I say like, thank you for plugging that because anytime someone says to me, they can't afford to buy organic, like you don't have to buy everything organic. Right. Like, don't worry about bananas because they're an appeal. Like they're, they're, you know, less important to, you know, or other things that kind of have that outer layer that you're taking off, you know, you're taking off the bulk of the, the most pesticide laden stuff, you know, strawberries are like a water heavy crop. So it's like, they just soak up whatever's all over the the soil. Yeah. Yeah. And then in that summertime, spring and summer, just think about like all the strawberries that people eat and the kids and, and they're not organic and it's just, ah, yep. ditch the non-organic strawberries right now. If you learn <laughs> nothing else from this podcast. Uh. <laughs> so reduce the toxins in your food was one and of the And reduce ones. also the toxins too, like, yeah, in your environment and also like personal care products. This is one that, you know, about, I guess it's probably about five years ago, I started learning a lot more about how really under-regulated that industry is mm-hmm. in the U.S. especially. You know, there's only, I think like 13 or 17 chemicals that are outlawed in personal care products. And that law was made in like 1938 or something. It was like <laughs> way back, you know, almost a hundred years ago. 
So, you know, we all want to think that, oh, it's, you know, had some review by government oversight and that stuff really hasn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because when we put in our skin, absorbs super quickly. Yep. Right right into your, your body and into your bloodstream. So that was, I mean, I've never been like a big cosmetic user, you know, things like that. So I don't think I've gotten heavy doses, but you know, lotions and shampoos and all of those things also Mm -hmm. are getting on our bodies. And we want to think about not absorbing that kind of stuff. If we can help ourselves not to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And okay. So what you put in your body, what you put on your skin, what are Mm -hmm. some other things that we can, can, that we can actually, like you said, that we can actually control. Yeah. So kind of, um, how you move your body, like doing exercise is a huge one. And I know you're a big fan of exercise for (laughs) mental health too. Yes. (laughs) Um, you know, our genes, I can't remember who I've been listening to in the last year talks about really our genes were designed for us to have a lot more movement, you know, and we're not designed to sit our butts in chairs for eight to 10 hours a day. Um, You know, think about your ancient, ancient ancestors who were out there hunting and gathering. They were on their feet a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your genes are looking for that input because our genes haven't really changed all that much from that time. So, you know, can you move your body? And, And again, it has so many other benefits too, in terms of your mental health. Um, helping regulate your blood sugar, like all of those important things. So it actually helps our genes when we exercise mm-hmm. or move our body. And, you know, exercise, it is a blanket statement. It can be like so many things. I know that you, you like me love to dance. We like to do different types of dance, but like dancing is, right. is amazing exercise. And also super fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I always, I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, trying to make it more fun because mm-hmm. it's like for years I used to like walk on a treadmill and I'm like, this is so incredibly boring to me. You know, some people may just love it because they put on their headphones and they just get really into their music and mm-hmm. they lose track of time. And I was always like, has it been 30 minutes yet? You know, not even 30 seconds. <laughs> exactly. Or, you know, oh no, I've only done five minutes and I have to keep doing this because it's just, it's boring. Like yeah. I enjoy walking in, in interesting places, you know, like walking through a forest of trees is more interesting to me than just being on a belt, staring at my wall, you know, listening to music. And I like music, but it just doesn't make it like that exciting for me everyone's heard this, but I think it just needs to keep being said because eventually it clicks in people's minds. You know, when you hear the same thing over and over and over, it might not hit you the first time or the thousandth time, but exercise is just so important for every piece of our health. And now we're learning our genetics as well. Yes. So yeah, our genes are activating. Exactly. Okay. So toxins, exercise, what else? Managing your stress level definitely is a huge one. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I'm getting the reminders. It's so funny. It's like when you're going through something like selling your house, you get the reminders of like, oh, practice what you actually tell people to do, Lynn. Because, you know, my life on a daily basis when I'm not doing that is not quite as stressful. So 
you know, really changing our bodies and our physiology when we take time to get into that parasympathetic mode of the nervous system to calm mm-hmm. down instead of just running around like a chicken with our head cut off. And Because stress, and I'm just making this up right now, but is stress like something that maybe even can be proven to activate yes, the genes? Yeah. yeah, there's lots of different studies out there that talk about how basically, you know, your stress level can can change what's happening with different genes being activated or, you know, certain other ones maybe being turned off, ones that maybe help your immune system do its job effectively, that help your body make sure to, you know, look for tumors and, you know, abnormal cell growth. Those mm-hmm. things can get turned off too by stress. Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning that in my, you know, healing from PTSD journey is that that is actually what happened to not necessarily my genes and maybe I'm sure it did, but I mean, it even shut down, you know, different hormone production and how my hormones are produced and mm-hmm. how they act. And then I guess, as I'm saying this, I mean, hormones act on our genes and vice versa. Is that like, yeah, play. I mean, I mean hormones, hormones are kind of like, they're like signals, you know, they're yeah. messengers in the body. And mm-hmm. so they definitely play a role in communicating, you know, what's going on and, and they can definitely play a role in what our genes are doing. Yeah. So again, stress, reduced stress is another one we've all heard a thousand times, but <laughs> yes. it's a great reminder. Yes. For another reason, right? Because we mm-hmm. want to think about what's happening long-term in our health. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anything else on that list of things yeah, we can do for ourselves? Definitely looking at your mindset. So we kind of alluded mm-hmm. to that when you asked the question about looking at, you know, do you do genetic testing? Do you not? So that's, that's one place that kind of interfaces with this conversation, but oh yeah, what we believe about our health and what we believe is possible is very, very powerful. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the work of both Dr. Bruce Lipton and Dr. Joe Dispenza, and both of them really talk about the power of our beliefs mm-hmm. in terms of what it does to our physiology and how it changes what's happening in our hormones and our neurotransmitters in our body. We're walking around thinking, you know, oh, I'm unhealthy, I'm sick, oh, I have this diagnosis. That's a much different way that our body is going to be functioning than if we walk around and we say, I'm an amazing healing machine, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. So I have some questions on that and about you personally. What did you do? Because I know in your own story, you were told all these things that scared you and worried you. And at the same time, you were actually not feeling good. And so I'm sure just if someone were to tell you, change your thoughts and beliefs right now, at that moment, you've probably been like, uh, how am I, how can I do that? So that's, so I'm going to ask you that question for someone listening that might be where you were. How did you finally get to that point where you could change your thoughts and beliefs? Like how can someone do that if they're in? I think it's an incremental process for sure. You know, like not going from like, if you were just given a scary diagnosis, like I was, you know, let's go with the part where I was believing I had leukemia. Mm -hmm. It's hard 
for most people to jump from that to, you know, I am completely healthy and well, and my body (laughs) is like the most amazing creation, you know? So it might have to be kind of like baby steps. Like what can you start to believe about your health? Like maybe Mm -hmm. starting to believe, you know, my body is healing in small ways every day. Nice. Whatever, you know, you want to go with a a new belief that you can kind of buy into rather than something that you, if you're saying it like an affirmation, you're like, (laughs) like, I feel, I feel healthy and strong. I feel healthy and strong. It's like, you might as well be saying, and I can fly and I have superpowers. (laughs) Right, right. So something that you can buy into. I like that. That small, you know, change. I I think there's a great, I can't remember who says this about, you know, if you change the, the, you know, think of a circle 360 degrees and you just veer off even by one degree and you go a long distance at that one degree difference, you're in completely different places that, you know, you're you, in the beginning, it looks like, oh, I'm right next to the point where I started just like mm-hmm. next door neighbor, but, you know, travel that way for even a year. And there's going to be a big kind of V of difference of where you were and, you know, where you could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. How did you, uh, get to the point where you were able to, hold on to like a positive affirmation or positive thoughts? Like, did you have any, I can't remember what type of help you sought out, but did you have some kind of guidance? Um, I mean, I think for me at the the initial time therapy was really helpful because Mm -hmm. I had a lot that I just had a process about just the emotions that I felt, you know, I needed a space where somebody could hold that space for me to be like, this was really hard and it sucks and I'm depressed and I'm grieving. And, you know, so I think sometimes you first have to just allow yourself to go through the muck of like acknowledging where you're at, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of I think self-help can often veer into the land of like, oh, just stay in the positive all the time. And then that's always, it's denying your reality, which I see, you know, when we suppress our emotions, it it affects our health. So you don't want to just say, oh, I'm not angry or sad or scared or, you know, I'm fine. I'm perfectly happy all the time. You know, feel feel your feelings Uh uh and maybe, you know, have somebody, whether that's, you know, a friend, a loved one, a professional who can kind of help you move through some of those things. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, once you start letting go of a lot of that emotion and, and you can start peeling back the layers and doing a lot of deeper work. I mean, I didn't kind of process everything that happened to me in one fell swoop. I mean, I've worked on the trauma of all of that for a lot of years. And it's mm-hmm. only, you know, there's still certain pieces of it that I tell parts of the story. And I talk about like having a bone marrow biopsy with basically no pain medication. I still feel it in my body. It's still triggering mm-hmm. to think about that. It's a, it's a very traumatic memory that I have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Definitely. I mean, and you'll probably all always have that, but you now have a lot of tools in your toolbox to help you move through that when that, when it's triggered or to help you cope with that. And so that's my next question is, or statement and question. People don't have to wait until they get a diagnosis or they're told that they have, what have I said to people for like, I don't know, I have shitty genes or something. I mean, it's not true. (laughs) 
That is not true. I shouldn't even have said that out loud. I yes. have wonderful, beautiful jeans, <laughs> but I have said that in the past. Right. So before people even get to that point where they're told that they might have some genetic stuff going on, or they believe that they have some genetic stuff, it's probably good to start working on your mindset now. I mean, yes. for anything, right? <laughs> mindset is always so foundational. I mean, that was part of why I was like, I feel like I wanted to learn hypnosis because I think our minds are powerful, but our subconscious mind is like doing its own thing. A lot of the time, we don't even know half the time what it's always doing. It's just doing its thing in the background. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to, in a, in a few minutes, I want to talk, I want to actually ask you some more about hypnosis because that's the piece that it really can hit on. But I want to talk a little bit more about epigenetics as we're already kind of talking about, but for people that don't know what that means, what is epigenetics? <laughs> so I love the analogy that my teacher uses because it makes it super understandable. We're going to think of ourselves talking about recipes in a cookbook because most mm. people can relate to recipes in a cookbook. Okay. So if you think about your genes and like every single cell in your body has the same, you know, chromosomes wrapped all up in it, but does every cell in your body need all of that information to do everything, right? Like mm -hmm. does a muscle cell need the same information as maybe the cells in your liver? No, they're going to need yeah. different recipes basically out of the cookbook. And so there are these things that are called markers that go on the genes that basically will think of the markers like masking tape. So they mark off the recipes that you don't need. So the liver cell doesn't see all the stuff for the muscle cells and your skin and you know whatever other recipes are there, they only see the recipes that they need. Mm, okay. So it's part of our biology to have these things because we need it basically to make sense of all of this information that's compacted into our chromosomes. But what happens over time and with toxins and traumas and you know all of these things is markers can get stuck on in the right in the wrong place. So you know, they're like masking off a recipe that maybe is needed or they can fall off and it's like showing a part of the recipe that that cell doesn't need. And it's confusing to that cell. Like, well, why am I all of a sudden I'm a liver cell and now I'm seeing muscle cell information. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> makes it more understandable. It does. So we all think of cookbooks, right? We all know right? what a cookbook looks like. <laughs> exactly. Well, and you hear words like epigen epigenetics and you're like, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's, it's not that complicated. It's really not. It doesn't have to be. Just think of it as, a, you know, a way to know what recipes different parts of your body need to use. Mm, I like that. Okay. So Besides helping with the stress piece and everything, which your work does, obviously, um, how does your work specifically work with epigenetics? Yeah, so I have a lot of tools in the toolbox that I use with both Body Talk and Body Intuitive mm -hmm. that can actually look at what's happening on the epigenetic layer. So we can look at what your body has done. Mm -hmm. um, like if, say, you were in a traumatic experience and your body made an adaptation or you were exposed to a toxin, your body made an adaptation or a marker just fell off because of the toxin. We can also, it's really cool, work with what's happened in your ancestral family as well. Yeah, that's my favorite part. It's super cool. <laughs> Most people really geek out when you know I do. get into the ancestral stuff and they're like, oh, you know, great great grandma, like she mm -hmm. lived through a famine. And you know, yeah. it, it affects me now because 
you know, our ancestors also lived through things that affected them and their bodies tried to adapt. A lot of times these marker changes are like a way to try to adapt to the circumstance. And Mm. then that information gets passed on um, through kind of what happens, you know, with reproduction and basically, you know, it's, it's a way that the ancestor was trying to like prepare you for if that future was the same, you know, it's like, especially if you're talking about things like famine or food shortages, it's like that ancestor adapted so they could survive and live through very little food um, available. And then it's like, well, if you came into the world that was the same as that, then you would already have that adaptation and be able to live that way. But for most of us now, it's not very helpful because we go to a grocery store and we don't live in famine times. So, yeah, that is so interesting. I, I hope that some, some way, somehow I get to see or hear like what our genes now are creating because of the last couple of years. I wonder about it a lot. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. 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 That is really interesting. You've done, I've had several talk sessions of body talk. I've experienced all kinds of your work and that is a super fun piece of it. And it's, it's even more fun now that you've even explained it deeper than you have before. (laughs) So the work you do, you do specifically work with the epigenetics and then ancestry Mm -hmm. stuff. So it's like, we can basically have erasers, so to speak, you know, we can like erase the markers that don't belong and we can put mm-hmm. them back on or your body. We can instruct your body. Basically. I'm not doing anything. I'm just helping your body to go. Oh, like, look, we need a marker over here. Cause there's this information that shouldn't be activated. That's currently activated and your body can actually change it. So Fear not, even if you were exposed to a lot of toxins or you had a very traumatic life, there are things that you can do to help your body heal from those things. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Another, another uh, message of hope for sure. What kind of results might be typical? I know that, you know, it's a huge range of results from the work you do, but what do you see a lot of from the people you work with? Definitely. Um, I, since I work a lot with autoimmune, I've definitely Mm -hmm. seen a lot of people have huge reductions in terms of symptoms, need for medication, huge changes in quality of life for sure. You know, Mm -hmm. going from, I I had one client who her list of medications when we started was about three pages long. It's quite long. And she went down with the help of, of medical teams, because mm-hmm. I don't adjust people's medication. That's not my scope of practice for sure. Um, she got down to, I think like three or four medications. That's awesome. Off of a huge list, you know, and she felt so much better not being on, you know, like crazy long list of medication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I work with you to help. Um, one of the times, like I had really bad insomnia. I mean, I don't know you've helped me through a lot of different <laughs> stages and illnesses. Um, but I know you personally, uh, even helped with, um, like some metabolism stuff, helped you shed some excess weight. It, and I know that you've helped other people with that. So it sounds like your work can just, like you said, it digs right in there. It goes into the genes. Right. And the patterns. What's happening. And, and it's also super powerful for healing trauma. Like I have some tools that 
things that I probably talked about for, you know, a year or two in mm-hmm. therapy. It's like some of these tools, it, it's, it blows my mind how fast it can shift. If the body's ready to let go of it and we do certain techniques, it's just like, wow, that's not triggering to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I say the, the very least from my experience, from hearing from other people that I have worked with you, um, stress relief, you know, and that's like a huge <laughs> blanket, like we just discussed a few minutes ago, what stress can do to our body. So if nothing else, it can definitely affect the level of stress in your body or how you're coping with it for sure, which can just do obviously a ton of, ton of good for our health. Yeah. We don't heal when we're in stress mode, Mm -hmm. we don't heal in fight or flight. So if we can at least shift out of fight or flight, then our body can start to have a fighting chance of like doing some healing work. Mm-hmm. And then you can get in there and on top of making us feel super relaxed and <laughs> easing the stress, you get in there and well, not you, but your body's in there tweaking things and moving things, kind of cleaning stuff out. That's kind of what it feels, feels like when getting work done from you is it's like, it feels as if things in my body are getting reorganized and put back in the places that they should be nice. almost like a <laughs> kind of a puzzle, I guess, you know, it's like, it's Mm -hmm. all kind of scattered and then things are starting to come together. And a a piece of your work that I have not experienced yet is hypnosis. And I promised I would ask more about this a few minutes ago, because I have experienced hypnosis and I love it. I'm super excited that you have chosen to add this to your professional um, and, you know, personal, because I'm sure you've used it, you use it on yourself toolbox. How can that change people's mindsets and beliefs? Yeah. So most of our, our thinking is happening at the subconscious level. Like, mm-hmm. I think again, we're at that about the 95% mark. <laughs> um, so we, we think we're in control of what we're doing and thinking every day. Right. But it's really only about 5% of the time that we're consciously in our conscious mind, you know, selecting different things. The rest wow. of it is just patterns. I mean, I think we think, what is it? Somewhere around 70,000 thoughts a day, like maybe more or less, depending on, you know, who you are. Mm -hmm. And most of those are the same things that you've thought probably for many, many years. It's just like, think of it as like a tape recorder, you know, back in the old day, you have your tape and you're just listening to the same old garbage over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. Like I'm a loser. I'm not, you know, like I'm going to fail all of the the things we absorbed, you know, maybe you have some things in your subconscious that are also positive, but a lot of times it's like these beliefs that are just old that, you know, we got from our parents and people in our childhood. Mm -hmm. And then we play them like a, a, repeating loop. And we don't even know that we're doing that. No, you know, what's fascinating, if you start to like track a particular negative thought that you have, and you know, you try to catch yourself as many times as you notice yourself thinking it. Mm -hmm. I've done this a few times with things. And I'm like, goodness gracious, I had no idea. I thought that thought that many times every day, you know, even if it's just something like I'm tired, like how many times do you catch yourself saying I'm, I'm so tired. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, no wonder you're tired all the time because you keep telling yourself you're tired all of the time. That is so true. That is something that comes out of so many people's mouths 
often all the all time, the time. <laughs> I do it sometimes I was gonna say like, I have done it <laughs> I'm so tired you know especially going through this process of like getting ready to sell your house and move I'm just like oh I'm so mm-hmm. tired and I've even said I'm tired all the time <laughs> I have said that actually before oh my god Okay. So So, catch yourself when you think those things and then create like a replacement for yourself of like, how would you rather feel than I'm so tired? Okay. I love that. Yeah. So it really gets deep in there in our subconscious. What are, if you could dispel some myths about hypnosis? For sure. So I know when I first, you know, thought about hypnosis, I always thought of like what I saw in a movie or a TV show right. where, you know, stage hypnosis, like somebody gets called up from the audience and they like are made to act like a fool. You know, they cluck mm-hmm. like a chicken, mark like a dog, whatever bullshit, you know, <laughs> yep. person has them do, you know, it's funny and entertaining if there's a crowd. And I, as a person who don't like to give up control in those sorts of ways, is always like, I don't want to be made to look a fool. Yeah. So um, I love my hypnosis teacher says basically hypnosis is just kind of like meditation. And when I started learning to do hypnosis, I'm like, I've kind of been hypnotizing people for years because I write mm-hmm. meditations for people. Yes. You know, there's just some specific ways of helping people more deeply relax. Mm-hmm. So we use, we call it like an induction and there's different techniques. It can be like moving your eyes in certain ways, focusing on your breath, focusing on relaxation. And those just get you like more deeply relaxed so that Mm -hmm. when you're relaxed, that's when the conscious mind kind of slides out of the way and the subconscious mind becomes a little bit more accessible, Mm. but you're totally in control. Like the whole time, like you can, I I remember the first session I experienced, she said to me, you know, you can open your eyes at any point. Like you, you decide how deep you want to go. Like some people will go like super deeply relaxed And some people, it'll just feel like you're just mildly kind of at surface relaxation and it can be effective to, to work at that level. You don't have to be like in this deep, like state of like, whoa, (laughs) I'm hardly even consciously present. Yeah. Yeah. Because you are in control the whole time. I mean, I think that's a lot of people's fears. You know, when I would tell people about hypnosis, that is the first thing that most people will say, Uh, you know, I, I don't want want them to make me do, yeah, I don't want them to make me do weird things or I don't really trust that they're not going to do something weird. And I know some uh, hypnotists record their sessions for that reason, Mm -hmm. because people are so nervous about that piece. Thank you. Is there any other concerns that you hear from people? I think that's kind of just the The biggest one one that I've heard, you know, losing control, like, you know, I remember in the training, it's like some people, I guess, worry that they'll get stuck, like they'll not Mm. be able to come out of it. Yeah, Um, I've not encountered anybody that's kind of said that to me, like, I'm just worried I'm never going to come out of hypnosis, you know, you will. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And is it possible for someone to get you know, this is another one I've heard people say is like, I'm afraid they're going to put something into my mind that's that I don't detrimental. Want. Yeah. Like implant a thought that I don't want. Your mind gets to choose what you want yeah. to receive. Basically. I mean, again, it's still your, you're in charge. You know, if I said something and it didn't resonate and I usually say that, you know, especially at the beginning of a first hypnosis session, mm-hmm. like, you know, you can feel free to discard anything that doesn't resonate with you. Like anything that I say that you don't want to believe, 
that's fine. You know, it's just yeah. like, if you were listening to something else and you were just like, yeah, that doesn't resonate with me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> delete. <laughs> okay. Nice. And I saw on your website that you now have an awesome freebie. It's a, um, I am healthy and resilient hypnosis audio to give yes. people if they sign up. Uh, are you doing hypnosis sessions as a standalone now? I am doing it um, as a standalone. Typically, nice. it's not like a single session of hypnosis. Usually, for most things, it's around five sessions to mm-hmm. work through because there's some layers. Yeah. So it's usually over a number of months that you know we would be working together. A couple things are kind of an exception that you know don't necessarily need five sessions. So I, I always do a consultation with people to determine, you know, what my recommendation of number of Mm -hmm. sessions that they need. Nice. Yeah. I saw a review on there from somebody that you had given, or that was talking about, um, a recording that they had, I think for insomnia Mm -hmm. hypnosis. So is that also a service you offer is to give people individualized recordings or is that part of the five sessions? That's part of the session. So I always record when I do the hypnosis one-on-one, I record it and I provide it to the client. Um, So basically it's more effective with hypnosis. Some hypnotists don't do it where somebody keeps listening to their audio, mm-hmm. um, but it really, our mind needs repetition. If we're list- if we're thinking the same thing automatically over and over again, then we need to counter that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> By listening to something positive to reprogram. So you, when you work with me, you get an audio and I highly encourage my clients to listen to the audio every single day for a number of weeks. And then usually it's like, we're on to the next recording and it kind of, you can keep it, you know, you can keep it in your library. I still have some from um, some hypnosis I did with my teacher actually. Mm-hmm. And I pull those out sometimes and use them, you know, in the, in now in the current times, even though it's been a few years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I still have mine too. I haven't listened to it for a while, but I was thinking I need to pull that out and listen to that again. And another thought I just had is this is discussed in, um, a podcast episode that's coming out before yours, where we talk about, um, mass psychosis and (laughs) it's running rampant in this world right now. And, uh, just mass amount of stress and fear. It sounds like we need mass hypnosis yes. <laughs> from somebody like you. Yes. Sure. We need to like reprogram our minds out of the constant fear state that yeah. unfortunately, you know, we're getting bombarded with by a lot of places because, yeah. you know, our bodies are amazing and we can be healthy and we can be strong. And unfortunately from many different, you know, avenues, we're not getting that message. Mm. We're getting messages of disempowerment instead. Yes, definitely. Uh, I know that in the past, in this last year or two, you've offered some group meditations. Do you all, do you still do stuff like that occasionally or like even group hypnosis sessions? I probably will start resuming those kind of after we get through this moving process. It's it's kind of been a a number of months of like kind of paring down to focusing on my one-on-one clients and, and kind of navigating through this time period, but I do love doing kind of group things. And I was playing with combining kind of energy healing in the first half of the group um, time and then doing hypnosis after and people were enjoying that. So I may bring that back in a few months. 
Nice. Yeah. Because, uh, chatting with Vanessa, my friend who on our episode, we talk about the mass psychosis, uh, and kind of the astrology of the rest of this year from, from what she has told us, the world's going to need your work more and more for at least the next (laughs) year and beyond. But I mean, that kind of stuff is definitely, once you get to Arizona and get settled, I think it would be lovely if you could do some more group work just to get more people together because this, this year is going to be a year of healing, but we're still in, we're going to still be kind of in a shit show storm for a while. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to be living kind of near to Sedona. So I'm actually going to start doing some fun things from like offering one-on-ones to Sedona once a month, possibly, and having some some very special sessions infused with Sedona energy because I find it super powerful. Um, but that gives me the idea that maybe doing a little bit of group work while I'm there might be a cool idea. Or yeah. at the very least, I'll probably be recording some like hypnosis or meditations while I'm there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get, put them on video so we can all see the rocks, the red rocks <laughs> in the background. And maybe, I'll have to yeah. find a nice little Airbnb <laughs> that has a view. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh man, I miss that place. It's wonderful. I'm super excited for you and your new adventures. Before we say goodbye on recording, um, is there anything else you want to add to this episode? No, I think we've covered a lot of ground. I think we did. I think just my final takeaway is always just remember that, you know, you are more powerful than you even have any idea of and your body is amazing and can heal. Like I've seen people heal things that in fact, my mother-in-law has, has healed some heart issues that it blows my mind. Yeah. You have a ton of stories like that from people. So if it's, if it's possible for them, it's possible for you. It's possible for me. It's possible for all of us. So yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. My pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Our stories may be different, but we all have one thing in common. We're all trying to figure out how to navigate life on this planet, and none of us have it completely figured out. No matter what you're going through in your life, just know that you are never really alone. Come back every Wednesday for more inspiration and connection, and follow me on Instagram at the Dragonfly Mama so we can stay in touch between episodes.